what works and what doesn't work in treating betrayal. Welcome to the Real Talk Recovery Podcast with the Therapy Brothers. We're brothers, we're therapists, and we know recovery. Bring your stories, your questions, your successes with Real Recovery. Before we answer that question, Tyler, I have another question that uh, I had emailed to us through our website. So it says, question for you, will you be having a women's retreat this spring slash summer? If yes, what would the cost be? I'd like to budget it in and hopefully be able to attend. Thank you. Awesome. Perfectly so, time perfectly timed question, right? <laughs> yes. This is a real question. We actually got it. So... Yeah. um. Yeah, so we we have our women's retreat coming up. Um, we've been talking about it on the podcast. We just want to talk about it again because it is it is selling out pretty quick. And so, um, to answer this person's question, um, you you need to get on it. So the cost is fifteen hundred bucks. It's down in Hurricane, Utah, which is down right by St. George. Right. It's going to run and from it's going to run from March twenty fourth through the twenty seventh. And if you're mm-hmm. interested, you need to go to radiantdawnconference.com. And as Brandon said, we've already sold many of the tickets. There's a few left, but um, it's definitely going to be selling out. So if you're listening to this right now, there's a pretty good chance we even have fewer slots left because these launch about a week or two after. I, I hope that there are. I hope that there still are spots left when right. when they listen to this. So um, yeah, food is included, lodging. And just real good therapeutic Experience. experiences that are they're going to get you to dig deep. So, um, yeah, uh, it's I, I can't say enough about uh, it's one of those things, Tyler, where we can't really describe it um, until you get there and you experience it. So I can't put it um, into words, Brannon, because there's no way to put some of these emotional things into words. But if I could do nothing but retreats, I would do nothing but retreats because of how impactful and powerful they are. Yeah. Yeah. So come join us. We'd love to have you. All right, Tyler. Um, I have some questions for you. All right, let's go. Um, so here, here's some questions for you. Just could you, we always start our episodes with saying, Hey, give us a little context or a little background, um, about like your situation. Right. And that's, that's how we get into things. And I'd, I'd like to do the same thing with you a little bit in terms of, Give give me a little context or background about um, your training and understanding of treatment for betrayal. Um, where did you start? What have you experienced? And kind of what have you been through with that? Okay. Um, good, good question, Brandon. So a couple of things. There's the personal side of things and there's the professional side of things. So On the professional side of things, I was working for the drug courts of Southeastern Idaho several years ago, and you were the one who had actually started working for a different company, uh, a different therapist, and you were doing a model of therapy called the Lifestar Program. And Lifestar is a a program that was designed, kind of one of the first ones really out there that was heavily focused on not only the addiction recovery side, but the betrayal trauma side of things. 
and you call me up and you're like, Hey Tyler, we need to do this. Like there's, there's a need out there for this. There's no one really treating it the way that it needs to be treated right now. And so you kind of got me locked into learning about betrayal trauma. And I was traditionally trained in it from the Lifestar model of therapy, which which is developed from the Patrick Karn stuff. A lot of it was developed from the Patrick Well, Karn you know stuff. what's interesting, Tyler, is when I first got into Lifestar, um, betrayal trauma wasn't even a term. Um, it wasn't a thing. It had never been invented, so to speak. So um, my first year, uh, may, maybe two years, uh, was it was all codep- the codependent model, uh, co-addict, codependent. Um, and so Lifestar... Lifestar, without getting too specific about Lifestar, their content wasn't blamey. It wasn't, I don't think it was that destructive in terms of um, like blaming the the partner. Um, it was It was helpful in helping the partner move forward and things like that. But there wasn't that line in the sand drawn. It hadn't been drawn yet. Of it was, like, well, it was nope, still no more codependency. Right. Well, so yeah. So if we go even before Lifestar, working for the drug courts of Southeastern Idaho, fresh out of graduate school, the model of helping family members there was codependency. Like you're a codependent, which means you're a co-addict, which means that you're, you're responsible in some part for this person's addiction. And, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't all that helpful, even though there's elements of the codependency model that I think have some truth to them. Um, it wasn't all that helpful. And then, and then I stumbled into Lifestar and I thought, I thought Lifestar actually did a really nice job of trying to take the blame out of it in terms Mm -hmm. of, in terms of the codependency model I'd come from with drug court. Um, and so that's where I, that's where I spent some time then doing the Lifestar model of therapy. And in the process of that, then this whole new world sort of started to emerge of betray the term betrayal trauma and all of these different kinds of organizations creating things around betrayal trauma and uh, and then and then it started started to blossom off on other things like um, the abuse model and um, mm-hmm. you know those those kinds of things and so that's kind of the the professional thing that was going on and then at the same time you didn't know this at the time but about the time you contacted me um, was about the same time that my wife and I had our D day. <laughs> your for, marriage blew up our marriage blew up like crazy and um we didn't have the resources that we needed and so here i was trying to learn on the fly all of this new stuff about recovery doing my own recovery work trying to figure things out trying to trying to figure out that there was more to life than sobriety and that life needed to change all the way around and in the meantime my wife was trying to to stumble through all of this stuff and going like how do I overcome? How do I heal? How do I heal? I've got these feelings of massive mistrust. I've got these big, deep feelings of betrayal, anger, sadness, loss. I can't put it all together. And, um, and so we kind of stumbled through that sort of on our own. Um, mm-hmm. At the same time that, that I then jumped into Lifestar and started doing the Lifestar thing. And, and that's kind of, that's, that's sort of how it, it pressed up to where we're at today. Yeah. I, I, it's interesting because who I was trained under took the the codependent model um, to the extreme and um, did two things. One, really demonized the 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 addict, and I say with quotation marks, the addict, like demonized the the addict. Um, on the other hand, um, really 
in a way helped the the betrayed just just be validated in their victim stance and and resonate stay resonating in in some anger and control fear and control fear and control so that's that's how i was first trained and i was watching it and i'm like this is not working in fact it seems like when people are coming to therapy like 6 months later they're in a worse place than when they they came in in the first place i don't get it and then you know i think one of the the linchpins of, of, of it all was Barbara Steffen's book, Your Sexually Addicted Spouse. Um, she wrote that book and she said, no more, no more with codependency. Um, what my partner did and in, in, in acting out and, and uh, cheating on me is not my fault. Um, I have been betrayed and that's, I'm not going to take on the blame at all for what, what they have done, which I very much appreciate I very much appreciate, nope, I'm not going to be take the blame. You are accountable for your actions, and I think that's really healthy. It's boundaried, right? Yes. To, to say, uh-uh, um, I'm not going to be blamed for that, and I don't need to fix this um, when you did this thing. So I think that's a good thing. I think it's a step in the right direction, and it kind of um, – it. It, it it's a step in the right direction, but it's not the best direction in many ways. And can you speak to that, Tyler? You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, it's kind of like it's kind of like this. We as human beings do this all the time, I think. And so what happens is is we find out that okay, this codependency thing, it's sort of like maybe what we ought to do, Brandon, is we ought to actually like outline some of the models so that people understand what we're talking about because we're using all these words that a lot of people don't understand. Okay, yeah. Yeah, let's back up a little so bit. So let's back up for a second. And and let's just say like with the codependency model was this idea that you're a co-addict to the person who's addicted, which means that you've got problems. You're the one enabling all of their behaviors. And in some ways, you know, in some ways the codependency model does have some things in it that I think, I think actually have some validity where if you were to look at like what we call the fear cycle now, where the fear cycle starts with this fear and instability because things are untrusting. It leads to obsession. The obsession leads to control and control leads to shame and shame and doubt and pain. And then more fear. And that's the cycle. The codependency model actually does touch on that stuff. It just labels it something different than the betrayal trauma model does. But what it did do is it also put blame on the person who didn't actually have the problem with the addiction or making the mistakes. Um, yeah. So, so then the betrayal trauma model comes along, or this is the Barbara Steffens book, and this is where I think things go as, with us as human beings. We always overdo this is, is that when we realize there's something wrong with something, we swing all the way to the other end of the pendulum, and we're like, well, then no more. Like, no more accountability. I don't have any accountability for his problems. Da, 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 da. And where Barbara Steffens got it right was she said, let's stop that. Like we're not, let's stop, let's stop victim blaming. Let's, let's not blame this person for somebody else's choices. But where I think it also swung to was that it actually started to take people who had been betrayed and it started to kind of create a bigger space for them to stay in the spot of being a victim. Yes. And, and so when you look at like betrayal trauma, but Tyler, but Tyler, aren't they a victim? 
Yeah, yes. Well, so so what's happened has not been fair, and they may have been betrayed. And, and, the, and the hard thing with unpacking the betrayal trauma thing is there's so many different there's there's a whole spectrum of what kinds of abuse has if you want to call it that has happened through this where right. where where you could say anything that's been a betrayal is some form of abuse right but but then right. you also we'll, we'll get there yeah. yeah yeah we can get into the abuse model in a second too in, yeah. in a minute but yeah so so the truth is is that yes there have been some things where you've been betrayed that, but what happens with betrayal trauma is that there's at least, I don't know, you, I would I'd love to see what you say about this, but I, I've noticed this in our own work that there's sort of like, and I've noticed this in my own work with my wife too, like there seem to be stages of healing. And at first it's like this crisis survival where you need a ton of validation. You need to know that there's a safe place to go. You need to know there's people you can trust to talk to. You need to know that you're not responsible. You need to be able to ground yourself learn to regulate your emotions, learn to trust yourself again, because being gaslit for so long leads to a lot of lack of trust. Right. There needs to be a permission to go through like a grieving process where you, you go through those stages of grief around the life you thought you had, where there is going to be some bargaining and depression and, and especially a lot of anger. And all of that needs space to process. And where I think Barbara Steffen's stuff started, sort of started to get stuck was, getting stuck at that place of either anger or staying in the victim role. But after that, if you want to have complete full healing, and this is what I've seen a lot of my clients is they get stuck in that place of victim or anger, and then they never get a chance to move through all of those stages of grief to that place of having a life that they feel empowered by, that they feel excited about again, that they feel they can trust themselves fully. Um, and part of the reason why is because, they, they sign up for and stay in a narrative of I'm a victim and I'll always be a victim. Yes. Right. So, okay, Tyler. So let's walk through this as if like a client is going through it. So I'm a woman or, or I'm a person. I shouldn't just say women are the only ones that experience betrayal. I'm a person who's been betrayed and um, I'm confused. I've been, I'm being gaslit. Um, uh, I'm, I'm being manipulated. Um, I don't feel safe in my relationship at all. And so, okay, you know, f 15 years ago, I go to treatment and they're like, okay, the reason why you're feeling that is because you have problems and you're enabling your partner and you should stop doing that. So you stop creating these problems. Okay. So that's kind of the, the codependency model. And which, by the way, codependency is a very real thing. It's just, it just doesn't work when you put it into a model where there's blame that, that blames the person who's been betrayed. Um, okay, so 15 years ago, that's what I get, okay? Now, in many ways, I, I've, I'm, I'm that, and I go into one of these programs, and they say, you're experiencing betrayal trauma. Mm -hmm. And um, with betrayal trauma, this is not your fault. Do not take that on. Um, your partner is um, your partner is an abuser. Your partner is an addict, and what you need to do is just not take any of that on, and and just make sure that you have these strong, in quotation marks, boundaries, um, boundaries to differentiate and separate yourself from from that horrible addict. Um, mm -hmm. And so also get a support system 
who, 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 who gets behind you in holding these boundaries. And these boundaries are thick brick walls um, that protect you from getting hurt again by your partner, but also make things like rebuilding trust and intimacy and um, the rebuild process of the relationship nearly impossible. Um, and they also, in, in, in getting that, that support and resonating with people who are still angry and upset, keep you in that place. And, and in the end, Tyler, disempower you from moving forward into your power, into your ability to work through the pain, the grief, the hard stuff. And, and you have the strength to do that rather than just stay back and resonate in this. And, and, and it's, I'll, I'll call it a victim stance because, yeah, maybe you have been victimized by what's been done. But hanging on to that victim stance in, in betrayal trauma, I'm in betrayal trauma. So therefore, it's all their fault, all their fault, all their fault, all their fault. And I just want to focus on that makes it so that you don't turn and say, okay, I've been dealt this, these cards. These cards have been dealt to me. And I can say, you, you jerk face, you dealt me these cards. Like, you a-hole. And I could stay there forever and mm -hmm. say, why'd you deal me these cards? Mm -hmm. Or I could pick the cards up and say, okay, they've been dealt. And now that they've been dealt... How do I get myself back to a state of um, peace, back to a state of happiness in my life um, now that those cards have been dealt? And the pathway out of hell is through misery many times. And, and your partner can't take those steps through that misery for you, even though they've dealt you these cards. Right. Right. Yeah, exactly. And I, I'd say there's one more model that kind of spins off of that uh, betrayal trauma model that that I think is also pretty damaging, but it's intoxicating. And it is that it's a model of just the abuse model and saying, yep, it's the extreme. It's of the extreme. My, my partner, all partners who have looked at porn are abusers. Um, and and here's the thing with all of these models, Brandon, is is like. Well, that, mo that model in particular becomes extremely intoxicating because there is so much validation for the pain, right? Like, and it and feels, so little accountability. It feels good though. Like when you've like, when, when think about what you just painted, you know, you got a betrayed partner who has gone through hell. They're, they're, they don't know up from down because of the betrayal and the gaslighting, everything. When they finally find the landing spot and the landing spot is like, Hey, you're normal. Like everybody who's been through this feels this way that feels good and it should like that's that's part of what is necessary for the healing right that needs it feels good for a little while that needs to happen but but if it stays there and then doubles down on the you know what he's all once an abuser always an abuser um well then then that that actually disempowers the person trying to heal because now they're stuck instead of saying, you know what, I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to maybe look at the realities of my situation. And if it really is like an abusive relationship, then I'm going to need to do some work to strengthen myself, to make different decisions, to, act, to create a life that I want. And, and so when you look at the models that you just painted, Brandon, it's, 
you could actually go back through and pull out pieces of truth from all sides. And, yes. and, and my experience is, is that it sometimes works in reverse something like this, where people come into treatment and they've experienced betrayal trauma and the treatment at first is extremely heavy on validation, empathy, um, grounding techniques, emotional regulation stuff, helping them to start learning the process of setting those quote boundaries you're talking about, but hopefully setting different kinds of boundaries than the ones you were talking about. Yeah. And then after that safety is recreated. And as there's some, some growth back into some self-confidence, then the transition, instead of staying stuck in, Hey, this person's an abuser, I'm a victim. It has, it has to shift back to some of the truth that was in the codependency model, which is I still have power. Like I, I can take some responsibility for my life and, and that is going to be the pathway through to my freedom. And so, so in the treatment that is out there, what's missing is the balance between both, which is, this is a safe space. You have experienced pain. There has been betrayal. There needs to be some healing and, and you need to not take it responsible for your, your partner's choices. And you don't have to stay a victim the rest of your life. I, I think, uh, I hate to even call it the abuse model a model because I know where I know where a lot of it started, and I, I don't want to give it that much credit um, because it's really not a model. It's a it's a platform out there that uh, that takes that victim stance to the extreme. But but here's the thing, Tyler. It's interesting what you just said. Um, that word responsibility um, both can exist, and I think a lot of people have a hard time. Um, maybe, maybe there's a dialectic here or, but both can exist where I don't take responsibility for the things that you have done. I don't, you've done those things. Um, and I do take responsibility for my life. Um, and so I think I, I know Tyler, you've experienced and I've experienced when, when I'm working with a betrayed partner and we get to that part of therapy where it's like, are you ready to take some responsibility for your life? for your moving forward. It can be very uncomfortable yeah. in that moment. It's if difficult. They, if they've really been validated and, and resonating in that they cause the, they cause the problem or the pain. Um, and so it's, it's sometimes it's hard to say, okay, like it's vulnerable for me to now step up and say, I'm going to, to choose to heal. And I have that power within me. And if I don't, it's not anyone else's fault. Um, so yes, you're not responsible for what your partner did. And, and to blame somebody for that, I think is horrible, right? I think that's not okay. And you are responsible for your healing. And so both of those things are true at the same time. Yes. Yeah, I, I actually happen to agree with you, Brian. I think that is the great dialectic that's in all of this. And it's something that I'm, because we miss it sometimes, and, and I'll be honest, Brandon, both you and I, we're still learning. Like we've missed it too in the past, you know. Um, Absolutely, the whole field is learning still. Yeah, yeah. But what I think I see is, is that when you lean one too far to that one end of the spectrum, what it does is it creates inside of a relationship. If you're if you're working to actually save a relationship, which sometimes you don't, like sometimes the the choice is to leave the relationship, and that's right. But if you're working to save a relationship, the, the betrayal trauma model or that abuse kind of stance, it doesn't allow any room for the healing of the relationship 
for a couple of reasons. One is, is that it creates the relationship based on power and control, meaning there's going to be a one up and a one down position. So the person who's done the betraying has to stay in the one down yep. position. And the person who's been betrayed has to stay in the one up. What that does do is it creates safety for the person who's been betrayed, a certain level of safety. What it doesn't do is allow for an actual full authentic relationship because the person in the one down position is never able to step into their role. In, in fact, into the role of what you would hope your partner would do, which is to be an equal partner, someone yes. who has their own feelings, someone who's being authentic. Their masculinity, femininity Some, comes out. Yeah. And, so yes. that there's no room for that if we stay in the one up, one down position, which, which is created for safety purposes in the first place. And so what you're saying, right. Brandon, is, is like, that's the vulnerability. It's when I've finally grown into a place where I trust myself enough, I've learned how to set boundaries. I learned how to take care of myself. I'm going to have to lean into the discomfort of letting go of that safety, that control, that one up position. That's where trust is built in and that space. That's really, really scary, especially where trust is destroyed. Yeah. And, and especially when there's been trust breaches in the past, that's why it's so yep. scary. But that space will never be there ever under the models of, the abuse model or the extreme betrayal trauma models that you'll never, you'll never find that space to actually find out and to actually heal. Um, you know, what, it, intimacy, love can't exist without vulnerability. Can't. Right. And so, and so these models that, that teach you how to not be vulnerable. And now, now I'm not saying, I'm not saying after betrayal, it's just like open your heart right back up and like, no. voila here. But, it, but what it is, is you, you get educated and you look closely at what recovery really is and you understand that. And then you have your own accountability and your own recovery to say, I'm going to actually take some risks again. I'm going to actually step back in here to see. And, and sometimes taking those risks are things like, I'm going to pull the trigger on that divorce. Um, you know, like I know from my healing, as much as I don't want that, that that's what I need to do. And in doing so, I can love my partner and have an amazing divorce because that's, that's what I need to do. That, that might be your risk, right? That, that might be your, your truth that you're stepping into and moving forward. Um, it's, it might be, it might be easier to sit back and just play the victim and wait for him to change and never get divorced and blame him of like, this is why I'm miserable. This is why I'm miserable. As opposed to saying, no, I'm taking control of what's in my control and moving forward. Um, these, these, uh, these models, um, make no mistake about it. They, they in, in many ways are created to keep you stuck. And if you look closely at the founders of some of these models, um, they, you know, you look closely at things and where they've started, um, they're not creating happiness and good, healthy relationships in their own lives. And, um, if they can keep you in that victim place, they can keep getting money from you. They can keep getting validation in their platform from you. And after a while, It'll, it'll, it'll feel good. It's like, yeah, you finally get me. Someone's actually protecting me. Someone's backing me up and oh, dang it. I am not happy. And oh, shoot. Like, this is not what I want in my life. And, 
um, this is not getting me to where I want to go. And what I'd ask you, if you're listening to this, I'd ask you to be really honest with yourself about your progression in, in, in moving forward. If you've been working recovery for a while, are you really better off now than you were when you first started? And if the answer is no, then evaluate what model you're under right now. Yeah. So Brandon, I think, I think what I would say just to kind of add the caveat is, is that all of these other models, they've been developed. I don't think anyone's kind of gone out and developed a model and said, oh, I'm just going to like make people miserable. I think they're developed from a place of pain. They're developed from a place of like sincerely wanting to help. But, but what I think is happening is, is that they're just all a little bit short-sighted. And, and so yeah. I actually do think that there is sort of a, a process and a pattern to most, to most healing. And it does include a pathway through the need to have a lot of empathy and validation and understanding and, and education. And then it has to move into, um, responsibility and accountability because, because ultimately that's all we really have. And it, it takes both. It takes, it takes all of it. And, and I think what you see sometimes is you get stuck in certain places and it doesn't allow it to continue to move and grow. I think Tyler, like I, it feels like sometimes you're like, you're pumping the brakes. I mean like, Hey Brandon, what are you going to say? You know? And the, the truth is, is I've been, I've been in this arena for so long and, and I've been trained to the highest level. You know, I've, I've uh, you know, I've sat right next to Pat, Patrick Carnes and, and been trained by him and, and Stephanie and um, like I've, you know, I've worked at Addo and Lifestar and this and that, and I've, I've been, been in it everywhere in it. Right. And the fact of the matter is two of the, the, the biggest influencers and platforms out there are um, women that I know well and have worked with and worked under and worked around. And the fact of the matter is, is they are very bitter, angry, um, unhealthy um, people who are leading, leading people now. Mm-hmm. And it's the blind leading the blind. It's not just the blind. It's the angry, bitter, unhealthy, um, leading people saying that it's recovery. And it drives me crazy because I see the wake of destruction that is happening behind them. Um, they're so good at, at validating and bringing people in and then spitting them out on the back end. And I'm willing to speak up about it because I don't want people to continue to, to get hurt in those models. This, this abuse model, um, not only is that harmful to these couples, it's also harmful to people who are really being abused. Um, like to, to really define abuse and get it right is, is very important. Very, very, very important. And to, you know, to say that, you know, if you're gaslit in your marriage is abuse. The truth is, is I've gaslit my wife and she's gaslit me and you've gaslit your wife, Tyler, and your wife's gaslit you. So are, are we all abusers? By that no, definition, we're not. by that definition, yes. Yeah, we're not abusers. What we are is human and, and we make these, and I'm not saying that sex addicts are just like, perfect little partners. I'm not saying that at all. I get it. I get how difficult it can be to be in a relationship with somebody struggling with an addiction. I get that a hundred percent. 
and I get that it's important to put words to what's happening. And I really like Omar Minwala's and and by the way, I think that he's one that that really pushes this betrayal trauma model too far. But I do like his his uh, multi dimensional trauma and 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 talking about all the intricacies of the way that betrayal trauma happens. It's so important to be educated in those ways. Um, but when it's pushed over that edge, it then disempowers and then it causes problems for the individual and for the relationship. Yeah. Well, Brandon, I I was. I was, I don't know if I was pumping the brakes on you as much as to say, I'm not sure it's insidious and on purpose just to be, just to be de- damaging to people. I think the byproduct is, is that it sometimes is damaging to people for the things that you just said. I, yeah. I'm a big energy guy, right? Yeah. And I think when the energy behind it is, um, is anger and, um, revenge, um, then that, that can come out you know, somebody, somebody creates something from that place, then it can spread like, like COVID, right? Mm -hmm. It can, it can just spread and spread and spread and it can affect thousands of lives. And so I think it's important to, to really see that and to call that out and to recognize that that's, that's what's going on. And I also believe that there are a lot of amazing um, therapists and practitioners with good, good hearts that there's a lot more good out there than there are these insidious, nasty uh, platforms and models that hurt people in every city. And the therapists that I, that I network with and things like that, most, most of them are humble people with hearts of gold who want to figure it out to help people. Um, and, and that, that's been been my experience, but there are some that don't have that energy behind them. Yeah. Okay, Brandon. So I got another question for you here that I, I can imagine there's a few people screaming into their like microphone or their, their headphones right now going like, what are these guys talking about? Like they're, they're totally like saying it's okay to be abused. And like, what would you, what would you say to some of the people who are listening right now, kind of having their stomach turned in knots right now going like, God, I can't wrap my head around like what they're trying to say. They're they're, they're almost leaning towards the, the side of saying these guys are like full of crap. Um, what would you, what yeah. would you say to them? Like how, what, what would you say? Well, this is what I would say is, um, uh, there, there's a recovery is a process. And the, the first process to healing is to make sure that you have some safety. You're not going to like, if, if you, you broke your leg and you know, you could be, you know, a tractor ran over your leg and your other leg's going to get run over soon. Like you're not going to be healing your first leg. <laughs> right. So the first step is safety. And, and it's what you said earlier, Tyler, is when, when certain platforms get like fixated on just that, then they get stuck in just that. So, but, but the first step is safety. Like it's not okay to be in a relationship where someone's gaslighting you all the time. That's not Okay. It's not okay to be in a relationship where there's physical abuse or, or verbal abuse, emotional, any abuse. That's not okay. Like, not okay. It's not okay to be in a relationship where you're being lied to and cheated on and, like, not cool. Doesn't work. No. The answer to that is no. And I don't need to justify it and talk myself into it. Like, no, that's not cool. 
So that's where we start, right? So how do you get the how do you get the power within yourself to step into those type of boundaries to say, uh-uh, things have to change, and I need support behind me, I need education behind me, I need some tools, I need all those things. That's what I need right now. Um, and in that support and that education, hopefully. It goes something like this, Tyler, and, and this is what's important. Instead of it just going like your partner sucks and you need to protect yourself from them, if that is the message of the education and support, then there's one focus there, and it's about them. And so if they change and if they get better, then I can be happy, and it disempowers you, right? But if that education and support is it is not okay to, to take on anything that hurts you. It's not okay to sacrifice your truths. And you absolutely can heal and move forward. And we're going to show you how. Whether your partner chooses to or not, we're going to show you how to heal, move forward, and become stronger because you've been, you're going through something this hard. Right? That's the difference. Do, do you see that? Yep. So what I'm trying to do is really drive home, Tyler, that it is not okay to be abused. It is not, none of that stuff, it, it, we are not justifying that. And I think a lot of times what these platforms do, these people who their stomach is turning, listening to this, they're saying, look, there they go again. They're saying that it's all the, the partner's fault who got betrayed or it's, they should just stay in a relationship. Uh-uh, Don't do that because that's not what we're saying. No, that is not what we are saying. Right. Um, we're saying being taught to be stuck in a victim stance will keep you stuck. Right. And, and we actually are fighting for you to move forward, to actually heal. And I liked what you said earlier to actually step fully through that grief process, to get to the end of it, a place of acceptance and peace goes beyond staying stuck in the anger of it. Right. And, and so that's what, that's what we're talking about. So, so Brandon, I'm going to recap some of the principles you just said. Um, basically, when you're looking at the, the healing process, the recovery process from betrayal trauma, you do need some certain principles. You need safety yes. first. You need safety yes. first. You need support. You need empathy you also need education and understanding of what this is and how it plays out in relationships and how it's connected to attachment and all of those things. You need tools and skills to manage emotions, to be grounded. And then you need, you need kind of the principles of a wholehearted lifestyle where there's a high level of self-care, self-compassion, self-trust, in addition to the support that you're getting. And then what I heard you say is, is that the support that you're getting should be doing two things instead of one. And instead of just validating your pain, they should be doing that and they should be trying to push you into your better self. Yes. Into growth, into change, yes. into into your own development that. so that so that you can have confidence in who you are and and the decisions that you need to make as you move yes. forward and and the risks that you're going to have to take again because we live in a world that's full of risk. Um, whether yes. that's staying or going in a relationship, but, but it needs to balance both. It needs empathy and a push for change. Yes, both. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, uh, it, it, you know, I think 
where we get stuck is like, well, who's right and who's wrong? Like, are you, are you like siding with one side or the other? And I don't know if this is a compliment, Tyler, but I've been accused of being a man hater. Um, and I've been accused of being way too supportive to men. <laughs> you know? yeah. And it's like, I, you know, I'm, I'm not, I think both, both of us, Tyler, what you just outlined, that's what we're fighting for. And it's interesting. You said, well, what model would, is that? And here's, here's the, here's kind of the scary part is I don't think the model for fully treating betrayal and the trauma associated with it is, is really, really built yet. I don't think the evidence-based practice is there that really, really works. And I think as a, um, as a field, we're still figuring it out. Um, there's some really good people trying to figure it out, but we're still figuring it out. Yeah. Well, and I, I do think, I do think that there have been some things that are, that are figured out. I just don't know that they've been put together fully in a way that that's the best one yet. Um, what I do yeah. know, what I do know and believe really firmly in is the idea of every person being responsible for their own wholehearted life and the principles that go into a wholehearted life, things such as empathy, connection, vulnerability, honesty, transparency, risk, um, you know, all of those things, self-compassion, those things on either side of the coin, whether it's betrayal, trauma, or addiction are necessary to create the life that everyone really wants to be living and was designed for. And, yes. and it takes all of those things. Yep. I just want to say before we wrap up that if anyone's listening and if, if your blood's boiling a little bit, um, you know, you can shoot us off a nasty email or, or slander our name on Instagram if you want. Um, but what I want to say is what I'd love to do is have a discussion, like really, really understand um, where you're at and why you're there. And um, I, I'm open to being wrong, although I've done this for a long time. I, I feel like I have a lot of experience. But if there's a piece of this that we're missing, then then please come on as a, a guest for our show. Um, We'd love that. It would be helpful to have that discussion so that people can hear it. So, um, Tyler, any th any last things? No, I think there's a lot of people here now now going like, well, geez, what do I do then? And the, and what I, what I would yeah. say is is that you continue to do your best based on the principles. You find good, healthy support. You find one of those therapists Brandon's talking about that has a genuine heart to continue the learning process and understands the balance between empathy and responsibility. And you get yourself a team that's going to be supportive of both of those things. And you continue the journey. Here's the thing, Tyler, a lot of the, our guests and, and things, they, they're listening to this saying, I know, like, I know what to do. I, they're already working a recovery that's really effective and really good. And so it, truth, truth is truth. And, um, if, if you're doing that, then you're going to love this episode. You're going to, you're going to love like, Hey, I, I can deal with my pain. I can move forward. I can come to a place of acceptance. Um, and I know how to, how to, how to work that. I know where to find the right therapist. I know where to get the right support. Um, so yeah. Uh, so awesome. You guys, uh, thank you for listening to this discussion. Um, if you found it helpful, then don't be, don't be scared to share it. Go share it with your therapist. <laughs> <laughs> you guys have a good week. All right. See ya.